Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders around the world. We got some pretty big news, but at the top of this show, hopefully you've been watching charts as I've watched charts and you've noticed that what I said to you yesterday pan true, which was we will come out of it. It's it's going to pass. It's going to take a little bit of time. This slight trend back up is I don't think it's permanent necessarily, but I do think it portends P-O-R-T-E-N-D-S good things. For the future of crypto, we just need to be patient a little bit longer. That's all I ask of you is be a little bit patient because we're going to need to um, kind of weather the storm a little bit longer. Once we get to the point where we start seeing more spikes on the Bitcoin specifically, BNB, Phantom, Opera, and other core tokens, I think that's when you're going to start seeing somewhat of a recovery of the of the business. But right now... I think we're in a good spot. I think we're headed in the right direction. And it's just a matter of time before we you know, come out. Now, of course, Q1 is still going to be a bit sketchy because, of course, we've got tax season. We still have the governments kind of playing their games. And we, we need to kind of wait. We need to kind of wait a little bit. But just know that the fact that you're even seeing any green simply should confirm for you that, no, it's not all dead and we're not going to be completely trashed and we're not going to go completely down. I'm only saying that we need to see the core tokens really come back and they haven't yet recovered. I have a little bit of skepticisms as to why that is. And I want to make sure that I talk about what I'm seeing in other areas as it may help you understand the way this is working and why we're being kind of led by the nose here. Before I get into it, I want to talk about Solana. Solana, of course, is one of those core tokens, but it's also its own blockchain Solana's had some issues multiple times. This is now the fourth time they've had some major issues, and they're inherent to the way that the network is built. It has probably the strongest price potential possible that you can think of of any of the networks. It spiked. I, I want to say it was like it, it was like a do, dollars to pennies. <laughs> it was low, and then it jumped all the way to like four hundred dollars. Coinbase at one point was giving Solana away as part of their little learn learn and earn deal, and. It, it just, every single time he turns around, there's some issue on the network side and it just crashes and burns. And there's no real way to know when this is going to happen. We don't know. We don't know. We can't predict it. We can't know. But people are less confident in Solana than they were. It doesn't mean they're less bullish overall, but they're less confident in the veracity of the network because we're seeing all these problems coming out of them. And then just this this weekend, um, they were overloading the network, bots were spamming it apparently, and it caused things to crash. And then, of course, people were not able to uh, adjust and react. And so it's almost like a DDoS attack in a way. And if you don't know DDoS attack, it basically means distributed denial of service. That means that there's a bunch of different, usually bots, that are attacking. And the volume of their attack is greater than what you can sustain. And so what it does is it basically brings you down to where you're not able to respond to legitimate inquiries. So when this happens, just like with Cytomask, or at least allegedly, when when this happens, you're not able, legit users can't get in, they can't do what they want to do, they can't take care of their own investment. So if let's say there's a super spike of prices because of this activity, they're not able to go in there and take profit, or let's say the price crashes because of it, they're not able to preserve their position, they're not able to do what they need to do. And so it's bad when these happen. They do happen. It's a normal thing in anything technology where the internet is involved. And so Solana's acknowledged it. They said, you know, we know it's a thing. We're looking into it. We're trying to make sure that we fix it and get things back. 
there were people that had loans through Solana because you can, you know, lend crypto and they're not able to repay the loan. And when you can't repay the loan, then it gets liquidated. When that happens, you essentially lose the crypto. This is one of the risks of loans with crypto is when there is an attack of some kind and you have these, these leverage positions or you have these lent cryptos and you need to make payments or pay it back, you can't. And this is kind of short. So when you're shorting your crypto because you're taking loans out to get the cash out without losing the position, if you're not able to pay it back within time, you're going to lose the crypto, but you didn't want to sell it. That's why you did a loan. So that's a risk of that people have to take when they do that. But you also rely that the network is not going to have these types of issues or that you don't expect that they're going to be so significant that they happen. Now, Solana has a very vocal supporters group. They have people that are totally 100% Solana and will never give it up. But I think Wall Street in general has kind of looked at Solana as possibly the future and the way it should go, mostly because of its price movement, things like this. It actually does behave like our government, if you believe it or not. It behaves, it behaves a lot like the U.S. government, completely inefficient, can't really rely on it, totally unstable. So I can see why Wall Street would support it. It is what it is. There was a user on the decentralized finance side. He apparently, This one, I, I didn't understand what the heck was going on here, but apparently this user, he, he has something to do with Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren is a high skeptical person of cryptocurrency she's never believed in crypto she wants people dependent on the government government services social services socialist type behavior that's what she supports that's what she believes but apparently this user had put some money into a pool and the pool was of course supposed to do um, in this case you're supposed to stake your token and then you get a prize or at least the chance to win a prize but you're not supposed to lose your token now i already the way it's described it's like this guy had to be an idiot because come on. But regardless, I'm just following what I see. I want to cover it straight up so you don't try to do this. But that was the sales pitch. You stake some tokens and you have a chance to win a prize just for staking your tokens. Sounds good because if there's no loss, hey, there's no problem. Of course, there is a loss because you're paying gas to stake it and then gas to unstake it later and probably gas to stake there to claim the prize. Regardless, this was the claim. And so this guy, when this happens, he puts the $10 in there. This happened uh, Q4 of last year. He put the stuff in there and then he went and he sued and he said, Hey, you can't, you can't run prize link accounts like this. You can't do this. You can't run lotteries like this. Well, he's the one that openly and actively did that. He actively chose to do that. He chose to put his freaking money in there. Like this is entrapment in the finest form. You're saying I know that what you're doing is crap, but I'm going to do it anyway, and then I'm going to sue you for doing it. Like, that's that's a joke. That's a joke. Now, here's the problem. Lottery laws are very clear in the United States, at least. We have very restrictive lottery laws all over the, the nation, and they vary from state to state to the point that you can't even really participate in the lotteries like you're supposed to in, like, Nevada, but you can in California, uh, I believe you can in Oregon, but you can't in Washington. Like it's it's all over the board, but they're very they're very black letter laws about how the lotteries need to be run and da 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 da. da. So the the problem with this one and the reason this one got any kind of headway is because they don't know. Well, it did this count as a lottery because there was a lottery in the sense that you are putting something in there, and 
you expect to get some sort of a lottery winning and some there's a pool and there's conditions that cause you to win and there's stakes, right? Well, the lottery law has always talked about, and it's it's black letter, but it's always talked about if you put money in with the expectation of getting something in return on some randomized stakes, essentially it qualifies as a lottery and then it falls under the purview of state government. Well, the reason this is kind of weird is because it's a no loss deal. You didn't lose anything. You wouldn't lose anything because you're staking your tokens. You're not really spending for it. So this boils down to, in my mind, it's a stupid, frivolous lawsuit because you're saying, I went in this knowing it's a lottery. I went in this, purposely put my stuff in there, knowing that it's a lottery. They defined it as a lottery. I read that it's a lottery. That was a sales pitch as I did this. Then after I do it, I'm going to go ahead and, and sue you for it. And this person apparently, as we know from the news, is aligned somehow with Elizabeth Warren. So this feels like an entrapment. It feels like Elizabeth Warren's doing an end run around the legal system to try to basically drum up more fear-based science and say, look, this is why decentralized finance needs to be banned. Deep, deep, deep. That's what it feels like because it's a, it's a bit sketchy that you would do that, that you would purposely put money in knowing it's a lottery, then sue because you think it's a lottery. Like, anyways, anyways, uh, uh, the other point news, the biggest point news. So Ethereum, Ethereum 2.0 has been an on again, off again, and we don't know what the heck's going on, but the Ethereum Foundation, which is the nonprofit that supports the ecosystem, Ethereum jumped. It jumped in price significantly. And what they're finding is that the foundation, of course, dumped a lot of Ethereum at the peak. And this has been a repeated thing with them. Whenever it peaks, they just cash it out, peak, cash it out, peak, cash it out. But the reason it's news is because they're allegedly a nonprofit. So as a nonprofit, I think some questions will be asked about whether nonprofits can so much benefit financially when you are cashing out of that which you are administering. It's not that they can't cash out because, of course, they're wallets, but so they're not being paid by the company, right? So technically, they still count as a nonprofit, but it got some eyes on it because you guys are dumping a lot of freaking Ethereum every single time, and then it tanks the price. And then the question is, are you purposely manipulating the price movement, causing these dips that we see because you keep dumping, dump, 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 dump? And then you don't have ETH 2.0 yet. And we keep talking about it, but we don't know what it's showing. And meanwhile, the Ethereum people are being affected because, as I said, there's a lot of different people involved in the process. There's a lot of different tokens that use Ethereum to back their tokens. So it's getting a lot of scrutiny, rightfully so, to try to see what the heck's going on. When we look at the big picture of the cryptos, because this is a big thing right now, I said that Bitcoin hasn't fully recovered yet. Ethereum is slightly up, but not where it needed to be. BNB is, I think BNB's, BNB and Phantom and Polygon to me are a little bit better off than the rest of them, but they're still not where they need to be. They're still down for peak. But what we're seeing also is that whales are taking their money out of those and they're buying into the altcoins or in some cases mean coins. So we're seeing some of those tokens start to skyrocket. Tokens that you wouldn't expect to jump significantly are jumping like the Web3, which I haven't ever covered. Um, I saw Baby Doge was jumping a little bit. Antecenius jumped a little bit. Um, Floki jumped slightly, but not a lot. 
Um, there was a little bit more money put back into Satama. There was some money put back into SHIB. And so people are seeing from the blockchain that whales are buying into all these different altcoins as opposed to the big ones. And we don't know the reason, but I would, from my perspective, I think it's a bad thing only because we don't know the reason. So if the reason for them to do this is to essentially pump and dump, that's a bad thing for altcoins all the way around. If the reason is truly sentiment, meaning that they're tired of the top dogs, right? Because you got these super billionaires and millionaires that certainly are bought into Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then you got this lower layer, your celebrities that are millionaires, but they don't have a lot of money, but they like Snoop Dogg, right? And they buy into this layer, but maybe their sentiment's kind of trash right now. There's some other ones, uh, Eric Benet, he's in it. So maybe this layer is the one that's saying, okay, maybe we need to kind of go in on these altcoins and take our money elsewhere, so to speak, because we can't sustain or support the level of drop that Bitcoin keeps incurring or Ethereum keeps incurring. Maybe it's that. And the reason I say it's bad is, again, we don't know the real reason. We don't know the real trigger factor. And as a result of those drops, the larger ones, they affect the lower coins. The flip, though, is that even though Bitcoin hasn't fully recovered and even though Ethereum hasn't fully recovered and even though BNB hasn't fully recovered, we're seeing a lot of these altcoins still thrive, which means that the volume of inbound currency is greater than the drop in the value of the liquidity of those pairs. So that that is a good thing, we, but we it needs to sustain. It needs to be long-term. If it's just a temporary pump and dump situation, that's not good. And because we don't know, that's what would make me nervous. That would be the only thing that would make me nervous is I would really like to understand better the motivation. None of them are going to speak out but I would really love to understand the motivation behind it. And the reason I want to understand the motivation behind it goes to my last bit of news for today, which is Doge. I don't know if any of you listening watch the network known as the Clinton News Broadcast Channel, CNBC, but there's a guy on there, his name is Jim Cramer. He fancies himself as a stock specialist, analyst, and he's been covering crypto, and he's been heavily skeptical of SHIB. He's been heavily skeptical of anything that's an altcoin, really. He was he was at one point bullish on Bitcoin, but there's a notorious moment where he said he's selling all the Bitcoin when China first talk, started talking about bans, only to have Bitcoin three months later jump like $20,000 per coin. And he's like face palming. Uh, funny stuff. Because he's basically FOMO. He's like the real world meme of FOMO. Like he openly admits that he's like a FOMO type person where he'll just go where the winds take him. He doesn't really know what he thinks he knows as far as crypto. I'm not going to talk about stock because stock is a whole different beast in my mind. But as far as crypto, this dude doesn't really know what he's talking about. Well, he came out and he sent a tweet and he basically said, you know, don't do don't do those. Those are the security. Deep, deep, deep. Now, we talked about securities before with XRP and whether or not certain things qualifies as a security. Under the current lens of the law, Doge would be qualified as a security under the current lens of the law. And I said that we really should be rethinking that lens specific to cryptocurrency because it's not fair to equate moving whiskey from point A to point B. This is the 1960s that, that drove this. We shouldn't be equating moving whiskey to moving crypto because there's so much difference in the in the application of said Doge is a bit unique because Doge is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. You can buy it everywhere. You can transact it. Now people are taking it as 
currency. And so it now more qualifies under that lens of a security than something else where it's not as widely accepted. Like it's different with, let's say, Floki. Floki isn't hardly accepted anywhere that I've seen. But, you know, so for me, I couldn't qualify as a security, but under the lens of the current law in the United States, it would qualify as a security too. Like pretty much every crypto that can be traded through fiat of any form could theoretically qualify as a security. They're only focusing on stable coins because stable coins are directly correlated to fiat. But with his statement about Doge, the reason this came up and why it caused a fear is because people that are supporter of Doge don't think that it's a security. The truth is, if we look at the lens of the very archaic, I'm trying to be stressing that it's a very archaic set of rules that determine that the government uses to determine the security. And that's why XRP is up on the table. Right now, I believe it does closely qualify as security because it's so ubiquitous. Although, I don't think that what Craver's trying to talk about is the right response, which is it will be regulated and we'll find out that, 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 that. But who cares? We already know. And, and one of the people in, in crypto chimed in and said, We already know how many there are. We already know how many is being minted. We already know all this data. It's all public blockchain. Will it be regulated? Probably at some point. Crypto in general will be, but it doesn't have anything to do with Dogecoin specifically. That's crypto in general. So your point is moot. We can have the conversation about do we start debating this as a security, but then we have to ask the question why this other one's not. And the government has never solved that problem. That's why XRP is trying to fight it now so that we can get some finality. And it ultimately, I believe, boils down to we need to just have a single answer that specifically replies to the question, is crypto in general a security and under the current lens? And if so, do we need to create a new lens specific to cryptocurrency? Because the reason we created the law no longer applies in crypto. It's not the same as moving whiskey from A to B, and that's what drew the current law. So we should really think about it. We also need to think about if we simplify the whole definition of security down to what I think we should do, which is that is this crypto ultimately in support of and extending ownership interest in a company of some form? If we simplify it there, Doge does not qualify as a security, if that's the definition. But very few others do. If we look at other foundations like Ethereum, okay, now it gets a little bit gray area, but we don't have ownership interest in those. But the DAOs now, any DAO that's created, including Floki DAO, would then qualify as a security, which would mean, as I said in the other episode, if I'm I'm saying if they take that stance, it me it validates what I said as Floki made the wrong decisions because they basically have harmed the investors potentially if they take the stance that a DAO actually in it provides ownership stake in a company to some form. Because what is a DAO? A DAO is a stake that allows you to vote for the company's direction. How is that any different from a board of directors? So it's an interesting conversation that Jim brings up. I just think he's wrong in what he's saying and why he's saying it is all personal opinion. Now I want to revisit some of our other tokens because there's been a lot of movement thanks to what I said. A lot of whales are buying into some of these lesser altcoin type projects. I'm going to have to go network by network because obviously there's a lot going on in the various networks. Uh, Shinja had a little bit of a spike and then settled back down to a groove, but it's in the positive as well. 
Impact XP, I covered some time ago on a dedicated episode. Impact XP had some significant issues. There was some sellout that didn't make sense to me personally. I didn't follow it closely because I assumed it was going to recover because I do think it's a solid project. Some of what's affecting Impact XP might be uh, Cytomask because I know they were supposed to be on Cytomask. And so the, the absolute catastrophe that was Cytomask might have impacted Impact, no pun intended, possibly. It is somewhat on the rebound, but it is just stress. It is down from its its position from where it ideally should be, but it's up from where it started. So it's it's in a green spot right now as far as where it started, but it's down from where I think it should be. And if we so if nothing had happened with Sight of Mask and everything was all good and golden, this dude should easily be right now three times what it is, from what I can tell. So I think it's got some growth potential back up. And if you have not if you looked at impact and you weren't sure or you were holding off i think it's a long play and i do think it's a solid project i i said that on the on the update um there are some things i'd love to see change but generally as a project i think it's solid i think it's a long haul that's going to reap rewards for anybody who buys into it Sadama did have some green back up and i want to stress i know people are looking at the chart and they're only looking at like the last you know week or so and they're seeing green they're seeing 17 percent up and I want to be clear here. I'm not trying to be a naysayer, but it's important that you understand how to interpret the chart as far as where we are versus where it should be. Where it should be, as of right now, is four times where it is. Where am I getting this data? When it spiked just before the failed Vegas event, it went up significantly. We are currently at seven zeros. I said it should have two zeros off by the end of January. We're nowhere close to it. It had dropped one zero. As of last year, that zero went right back on there. So we got some work to get back to that point that I think it should be at based on if, again, if everything were good and golden, where would this guy be? That's basically my target. The target, we're nowhere close to that. So it's first getting to that target that I think it should have been and then playing catch up to what it lost because of momentum. Will it get there? I think it can. But I think it's going to need to be a sentiment conversation as far as sight of mask and whether it can do what it can get people to buy into it and be received. I'm hearing that people are able to get into it. That's great if they are. I still will not recommend it because of the statement from the developers that they're willing to basically have the UI tell you garbage and then do something on the back end. To me, that's too slimy. I will not recommend it. I'm not telling you not to do it, but I will not recommend it myself. Do your own research. If it makes sense for you, please, by all means. I'm bullish about the project. I just think the token, I just think that there's too many preventable mistakes. And I also think that it's, it's still under a fair bit of sell pressure. There's a lot of sells that I wouldn't have expected happening because if it's true that people are getting in and they're able to transact, I would have expected a lot more up than I'm currently seeing. So I assume that there, cause we, there's also the whale consideration. I'm still seeing whale sales happening on this dude. People that are selling like trillions of tokens is still happening so I, I don't know how many whales are left in the darn thing i can look on blockchain but i haven't i've been disinterested in following satama's chart but i am bringing to attention it is somewhat trying to get back up but it's under some sell pressure i don't know if it's going to be able to get back to where it was but it's got a lot of a long way to go to play catch up on what it lost due to the mistakes that were made and then mononoke i covered mononoke quite a while ago Mononoke had, it went on a downtrend 
and the downtrend didn't make any sense to me. Same with impact. It didn't make any sense why Mononoke was going down. It has not recovered from that downtrend. It's still somewhat trending downward. I wouldn't say that it's a major thing at this point, but it's something to just be aware of. If you are bought into Mononoke, it's going to be a, I would call this one like an extreme long play. Like I think at some point the inventory is going to catch up with the interest. Um, the volume is down. So I think things are going to catch up. I just think it's a long play. And I don't think in the any time in 2022, this one's going to be on a significant positive. I believe it'll trend back up and it'll have its jumps and spikes, especially as they start doing what they're doing. But it's, I, I believe this is one of the ones also that was planning to be on side of mask. I might be wrong on that. But if regardless, it did have a strong downtrend. It was having some challenges breaking out of the downtrend. It's never come close to recovering to its all-time high. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It has the same graph as early days Satama, so it's possible it could have some breakouts in 2022. I just don't see it from the price movements and the volumes that I'm seeing. On the Ethereum side, uh, Crypto to Card, as I mentioned, I covered that one yesterday. It, it launched in very challenging circumstances, and it was able to sustain a pretty good amount of its value. They did have a little bit of sell-off, but it's been able to hold a pretty good amount of its value. It did have a well, anti-well mechanic. I purposely didn't cover it because I needed to see it actually work. I didn't want to say it and then have it not work. So it has had some major sell-offs. Initially had some bot sell-offs, but now we're just seeing people that are taking profits, people that probably bought in from the initial pre-sales. Generally speaking, I'm not seeing significant whale sales. It's just the volume of sales, but its volume is coming near a million on daily liquidity is healthy it's three times what it was well it's actually twice twice now it started at like 550,000 then it went down when people sold out initially to like you know 200 and some on and then now it's up to near 700,000 so it's it's liquidity is healthy it's it's a healthy strong and it does have rewards so i think people are also watching the rewards and seeing how that works now, the dashboard isn't working. It's something I'm going to mention to them that, hey, I don't see the dashboard working. Are there known issues? They probably mentioned it on Telegram. But as I said, the United States does not follow Telegram, and I wish they'd stop doing that. Kishimoto. And, of course, Kishimoto is on the Ethereum chain as well as Binance, but it's the same price and price movement. Kishimoto has been trending sharply downward. It didn't make any sense to me because Kishimoto, I think Kishimoto was also one side of mask, but even though Kishi was supposed to do whatever they were supposed to do, it had a strong project. I did speculate they would struggle a little bit to stand out because they're only doing anime and they needed to appeal to a wider audience. I don't know how much that plays into what I'm seeing. Some of this looks like whale sales. Some of this looks like just the volume of sales. Volume daily is down. Liquidity is actually sharply down, more than I would expect it. I think it'll recover, but I think it's long-term. It's a long play. Antis Inu had some amazing jumps, regardless of the red that we saw. It didn't make any sense because they were one of the first to go back into the green other than green chart. But it's it it's on the recovery path, strong jump back up. I don't know what caused that one because Antis Inu, if you remember, is the one that he sent out one token to every single SHIB holder at the time. So it's still got a million holders. Some people sold out, some people stayed in. The volume is reasonable, the liquidity is reasonable. It's in a healthy state, it's on exchanges, so he's here to stay. And you know, if he's listening, I would still love to have him on the show and just kind of talk through the motivation and what he sees and what he thinks of the project long-term because we also need to see some utility out of that one and we have yet to see 
any strong utility coming from that project. And then just to circle back, as I, I mentioned it briefly, but let's just circle out on it. It's the last one is green chart. There's a lot of others, but I want to focus on these core ones. A green chart, of course, is the one most known for having the mechanics built and purpose designed to mainstream, maintain a green chart. And even with what happened yesterday, it was able to go red, but was able to rebound back into the green. So it's trending back up to where it was. I think it has probably the healthiest you know, it was it was getting beat up. A lot of sales, the price movement from the underlying liquidity, but it jumped immediately after that happened. And so I'm confident now that whatever they did seems to be working and is pretty strong and pretty robust. It's going to have the ups and downs, but it does seem like it's one of those similar to EverRise where they're able to come out of the back end and come out stronger and then investor sentiment takes it from there. Like it has a lot of, not quite whales, but strong high levels of buy behavior behind it so i think green chart is another long play that's all i got for the updates news updates and then coin updates and then just one real quick public service announcement for everybody listening there's a new scam i say new but it's been around for a while but they've gotten really elaborate with this one i want to make sure you are taking care not to get taken for a ride so the new scam here is what people will do is they'll see something on the news. So for example, this whole business of metaverse, we saw a whole bunch of coins start spinning up about metaverse that had nothing to do with Facebook or anything else. So I'm seeing coins like there's a coin that says Amazon and it says Amazon metaverse and it's on the Ethereum chain. And this dude has crazy amounts of volume, crazy amounts of liquidity to it, but it's an unverified contract. There's, it's a, clearly a scam. It's clearly a rug pull. I saw tons of these. I saw ones that uh, I saw ones around Facebook actually had one. I saw one around uh, what was that other one? Oh, one around Chib, which was interesting. I saw one around uh, Netflix. That one's still there. That's a joke to me. And uh, one around Water. Yes. So I I want you to be aware. Number one thing you should look for with any token is that they have a website. Because if they don't have a website, and you can tell if they do or don't, because if you check them on Dex Tools, that's Dex Tools, D E X Tools.io, you should be able to pull up that token and you should be able to see underneath the name of the token that there's an icon for their website and you should be able to go there. And from the website, the second thing you should see is information about the people and ideally a white paper that tells you what the heck they're doing and why they're doing it. I didn't see any of that for any of these. I see no fundamental, no website, no nothing that verifies these. You can tell in Dex tools, it says contracts not verified. Like there's all these red flags that people are ignoring. Please don't ignore those red flags. Make sure you do some research on these. And of course it's, if it's too good to be true, it probably is like Amazon is not going to release an Amazon token like that. They don't need to cause they're on the stock side and they're pretty hot and heavy about it. So Use your common sense about some of these. Don't get taken for a ride with some of these scams that are coming out because they are getting very creative and very unique about them. And I don't want to see people lose money over these types of things. All right. And at long last, let's talk about our underdog token for the day. Now, this one's going to be different, my coverage, than any other token I've covered so far because my coverage is not designed to detail fundamentals. It's designed to help educate a little bit on the challenges in the crypto business from a token perspective, but also from an investor perspective, when you see tokens that seem to be extremely popular and they seem to have fundamentals and they seem like they're doing the right thing. And then things happen 
and you're not really sure what the heck's going on. So this one's going to be, it's not a fundamental one. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk through some of the analysis of what happened with this token, because I think it's important to understand what got to this point. I also want to talk about its rise in popularity and the reasons why, and the reason why it's difficult to truly advocate for any token A or B, because there's they're getting a lot more elaborate, and tokens have a hard time standing out in a crowd, so they create gimmicks. And sometimes the gimmicks work, and sometimes the gimmicks don't, but the point is, it's hard to now recommend certain tokens without knowing what will or will not happen at a given point in time. So let's get into this one again as a more of a talk point of things that I see. This one's called COVID Slice. Its call sign is COVID-19. The website is covidslice.io. This one got a lot of attention very recently, mostly because of the call sign name, but also because it created, they have a game that they built and the game is called COVID Slice, and the game is live on their website. You can go and you can play it. It's an active game. It's got a lot of people playing it right now. So it's not like they said they were going to create a game and then didn't create a game. There is a game out there. It's on the site, and you can play it straight first foremost. And it's pretty addictive. When you play it, it the whole point is you're fighting COVID, and there's all these different pictures of diseases flying around, and you're slicing through them. And your goal is to avoid the fox scene, the needles flying around the screen. You can't let your cursor touch the needle or it's game over. So it's a very addictive game. It's got tokenomics of 1 billion total supply with rewards for 30%, marketing 10%. And then a wallet for development, wallet for the team, which I don't know what that means. And then a wallet for investors, but I don't know what that specifically means. There were, this, this had very lofty goals behind it. They were planning on going all the way to the Google Play Store and the Apple Store with the game, which would have been huge. Um, this was supposed to happen in Q2. This launched, I believe, this month. I do believe it did. And it immediately rose because, again, people noticed this thing and the game and how addictive it is. And it, people were jumping all over this. They stopped communicating at some point a few days ago with on social media. So they got listed on all the different sites and everything else. And then all of a sudden they stopped communicating. People on Telegram start saying, well, what the heck is going on? The developer apparently had removed all the liquidity. However, when you look at it, there's still some liquidity left in there. So people can still buy and sell, but it has no liquidity, which means essentially it has no real value to investors. It's losing trust on Dex tools, but it still has a strong following on social media. It's just that the developer has stopped responding. So people are now wondering, is this guy a, you know, a very complex rug pull? What the heck's going on? Why did people stop responding? What the heck's going on? It jumped. It jumped a lot. It had a lot of strong price movement. And when you look at it and you look at all the fundamentals, you know, the coin market cap and the, you know, coin gecko, it got listed on both of those. It's on Dex tools. And you don't see anything that's a challenge necessarily with this particular project. And you see that there's an actual game there. You see that there's something to this and you can play the game. You know, it's real, you know, it's a legit thing. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, for whatever reason, boom, all the liquidity, not all of it, the vast majority of the liquidity is gone. There were a couple of people that called out that, Hey, this is a, this dev is a scammer. He's going to scam you. He's going to take your money. It's going to rug pull. We don't, we don't know when, but it's going to rug pull. Don't buy in. Don't invest. Don't invest. Don't invest. 
So now currently there are some people that are claiming, no, you can still buy and sell. It just, he took the liquidity. And so when you look on Dex tools or PooCoin, I think it's PooCoin in this case, you can see that half of the liquidity is owned by an unlocked wallet, but not all of it. However, the rest of the liquidity looks like it's owned by a locked wallet, but you can't tell, okay, what the heck's going on here. It's a very weird thing. There's no real logic as to what the heck's going on with this. All we know, all that's all that's clear is the developers not responding. Liquidity was removed at some point. It just launched as a real game. There's a real thing, but that's all there is to it. This was a very complex, elaborate thing. If it's truly a rug pull in definition, it's not the developer actually planning to do something like Dozilla had something similar where they removed the liquidity, but then they put it back. And sometimes during like this whole red season, people were pulling the liquidity out to preserve it and stop people from selling. So we don't know if it's that. All we know is that my point is that this is one where it looked like everything was clean the way they planned to do it. An actual game exists. It had something that was compelling in a marketing strategy. Everything seemed cool, and they and it, it just launched. Like, it's just days ago. So it's early, but because of what happened, all of a sudden, people have been taken for a ride. People are still playing the game, as far as I can tell, to this day. So many of them may not even be investors in the in the token, but they're still playing the game because the game is that addictive. And I guess the takeaway on this is I don't know what truly happened. I don't know what the motivation of the developer were because they stopped responding. And the reason I can't necessarily call it straight up 100% scam rug pull in the definition of said is because Keanu Inu had a similar thing where he took the vast majority of the wealth out, but the token's still there. You can still buy and sell it, the whole nine. This is different only in the sense that it just launched. We're talking, I believe it was two weeks ago just launched and it has a tangible something it delivered what they said they were going to do and it's actually an addictive thing and then this happens where did something happen to the developer we don't know but anybody who bought into this COVID slice COVID-19 if you looked at the site you looked at everything else I guess the summary thoughts I got on this is number one there's no white paper and I keep harping on the presence of a white paper and they need to have one because it's that's why it's critically important because you need to they need to take the time to show you that that's a thing. Number two, when you look at the about us, nothing happens. There is no about them. There's no KYC. You don't know anything about the people involved in it. So it's a game. That's cool. And, you know, it, it's playable. And it's a tangible thing. And that's all they promised to deliver. They'd said NFTs and all this other stuff, but ultimately it was around the game. That's the whole reason they did this. So if all you have to show in what you said is the game, on the surface, you look at it, you're like, okay, well, they deliver what they said they're going to do, and it's an addictive game. But you didn't, you might have ignored all the rest of the fundamentals. You might have ignored things like a white paper, ignored things like KYC, ignored all the strong points that are, that you should use in order to vet these types of projects. And so the net effect is, yes, you can buy and sell it right now, today, but there's no reason to because there's no liquidity. And of course, without liquidity, there will come a day that you won't be able to sell it at all. And if the developer comes back and puts liquidity back into the thing, then it would pick up and go where it left off. But it's highly unlikely that that's going to happen. So that's where we are with this dude. Um, the reason I wanted to cover it is because I assumed that there might be some people that saw this or heard about it. And hopefully there's not going to be too much 
damage or fallout and people that bought in because it got a lot of trending on social media. There's a lot of attention from big players on this dude when it started trending high on uh, social media platforms. Here's my speculation as to what might have happened, and this is based on Keanu. I speculate that there might have been some sort of a breach. And when I say breach, the cease and desist that hit Keanu Inu was around use of likeness. I suspect this one might have had some sort of copyright or something else where they took somebody else's game and they put it up there without any permission and then they received that and then now they're running. I suspect that's the case. I don't have proof. I'm not in that room. All I can say is that the, the way that I saw this one build up, it certainly looked like they were trying to make something that was legitimate without taking money and possibly didn't think they would get caught. That's what it smells like. As a former auditor, it smells like somebody was trying to get something in and hoped that they didn't get caught. And when they eventually got caught, they took the money and ran. And hopefully people didn't buy into it. I hope they didn't buy into it. It's still active. And so I'm hopefully this will archive, you know, and people will be able to search this episode in the future, right, to prevent them from buying in. Because as of right now, it's not worth buying into it. And it's not dangerous, but it's not worth buying into it because there's no value left in this token whatsoever. That's all I got for you today, this episode. And I know I went a little bit long, but I wanted to reinforce this token and just talk about it totally different than the way I did before. Because I'm not, from on the surface, if you were a newer investor on the surface and you look at this guy, there's nothing fundamentally wrong on the surface. When you dig a little bit deeper and pull back the layers, you realize it doesn't have a white paper at all. It doesn't have a KYC at all. And all it is is the game. There's the game. But then, and the game is addictive, but that's all it really has. It doesn't really have more in terms of the utility beyond the game. It doesn't really talk about doing more than that. The communication and social media was good up to a point, and then it stopped, and that's a concern. And then liquidity became a concern, and that's a problem. And then, of course, unlocked wallets became a concern. This one, regardless of renounce of ownership, a contract didn't matter anyway, because without liquidity, it doesn't matter if you do or don't own that thing. So... I hope this has been informational and helpful to you and somewhat different and unique, yes, but I thought it was important to go through the exercise from the lens of somebody who's new to it and learning to look at these. Again, your call to action, make sure it's got a white paper and that white paper needs to be really, really good. Again, the parabolic token has the best white paper I've ever seen. Dozilla has a really good white paper. Certain projects have great white papers, certain projects have decent white papers, and certain projects have crap ones, and certain ones have none. They should have something. They should have something. Ideally, there's some sort of KYC. We should know who people are because they're trying to stay fully anonymous to the point you don't even have a social media profile on them. I think that's a problem, and you should be able to identify people so that when things go south, there's a throat joke. I could go on and on, but... Hopefully this has been informational and helpful and beneficial to you to avoid these kinds of things and learn what to evaluate on different tokens so that you can avoid being taken for a ride.